Most people are only as needy as their unmet needs. My name is Andrea, and this is Adult Child. Welcome back to Adult Child, where we take a deep dive into the impact of growing up in a dysfunctional family. Hello, my dearest shit shows. Today, we are diving deep into insecure attachment styles, and I am joined by Adam Moroskis, Mr. Fixer Picker. Uh, I had him on in an earlier episode. It was within the first 15. If you have not listened to that, I highly recommend that you do. He tells us all about his dysfunctional upbringing and all about his formerly broken-ass picker. Uh, But today, we are diving deep into attachment theory, and I feel like I owe y'all an apology because this is a topic, this is a subject that I don't think I've given the attention that it deserves. This is a big component of the adult child trauma syndrome, and it is a topic that people are interested in. So I'm going to try to make up for that some today. This is a pretty long conversation. We talk for an hour and a half, but all 90 minutes uh, are gems. So listen to the whole damn thing. But first, let's take care of business. The first item being that I am adding another support group through the Patreon. So I'm adding a meeting on Tuesdays at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. That's going to start this upcoming Tuesday. The other two times that I have meetings are on Thursday nights at 8.15 Eastern and then on Sundays at 3.30 Eastern. For anyone who's new, Patreon is where I host weekly virtual support groups. This is where I provide additional content. It's also your way of saying, hey, Andrea, thanks for all you do. Here's $5 a month. Here's a buck 25 a week because I need and will take all the damn help that I can get. For anyone who may be new, uh, about a month ago, I took a leap of faith into, you know, making this my full time gig, this podcast spreading the adult child message to as many people as I can. You know, I continue to be just blown away at the impact that this podcast is having on people's lives. And I know that there's still so many damn people out there that have yet to discover the pod that desperately need to discover the pod. So if this podcast has helped you in any way, I would greatly appreciate your help in uh, reaching more people. And other ways that you can help me do that is you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok at Adult Child Pod. You can also give me a damn five-star rating on Apple and Spotify. Thank you much. It is my pleasure to reintroduce a returning guest back by popular demand. I hope you know that people people loved your initial episode. So welcome, Mr. Fix Your Picker, Adam Moroskis. Was that good? Nailed it. Yes, excellent. And I'm 
so happy to be back. I love the work you're doing and happy to hear that people enjoyed our first talk. So let's do it again. <laughs> I want you to know, I had this thing in my Patreon group where I was asking people to talk about like how they found the podcast and um, yeah, like significant ahas that they've had since listening. And there's several people who who said that your episode was like a real aha, holy shit moment for them. So I want you to know that. Oh, thank you. That's great. That's that's my my whole mission is to help people heal, to help people have those aha moments. I think that what for a lot of people, what they are most passionate about bringing to the world is what they didn't get and what they needed as a kid. And so I needed guidance and support and love and nurturing and care and people to show me the way. And I don't feel like I have that shit. And so I love, love, love being able to provide that for other people. So thanks for, for sharing those kudos. I'm going to gobble those right up. I actually just made it up. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, what if I had you back on and I was just like, yeah, here's all like the shitty comments that everybody said about your episode. I'm not actually interviewing you. I'm just going to read you all these mean, mean tweets. Just want to roast you. <laughs> mean tweets. You know, I'm, I'm at a good place with, with, uh, I've been doing, kind of playing with a new flavor of self-acceptance lately oh yeah i really feel good about yeah if anyone's just like hey adam you're a piece of shit you know i'm like you know i'll just brush it right off because like i'm really at a good spot with that and so yeah yeah life life is good and haters can hate all they want whatever whatever blows their hair back yeah it's been interesting i've always known about myself that i'm an acquired taste (laughs) <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> um, and I'm okay. Like I've always been okay with that. And like I know that not everyone's gonna dig me. Um, and frankly, I don't know if I would want everyone to, but I will say it has been interesting. Like I would say ninety-five percent of the feedback that I've gotten for the pod is um positive. There have been like a few things, and I really thought that I would just be somebody that it just like brushed it off my shoulder, like Jay-Z. Uh, there's been a couple of times where it's like really gotten under my skin and I don't like that. I don't like that. Yeah, I feel you. Um, I've had moments where uh, people have commented either like on a Medium article or Instagram or something where mm-hmm. it's not so much that they're, you know, like talking shit on me necessarily, but that they're, I see them stuck in, in their cycle of sickness and I want to help them out, you know, in a way that's like not triggering. Like I want to be able to, to, to help people, right? Like that's my whole deal. And some people cannot be helped and some people don't want to be helped. And so that gets super frustrating for me, but then I realize, like, oh yeah, this person is, is gathering the pain that they need desperately for their journey. Right. Cause I, I, I mean, you know, like you need pain, <laughs> like, you got to suffer. You got to hit rock bottom. You got to find out that what you're doing ain't fucking working. And then it's like, ah, okay, maybe I'm willing to try something different. And some people, you know, bump into me when they're not in the willing phase yet. And and I can't take any of that personally. Well, it's like, let's like consider the content. Like, <laughs> of course we're going to attract that kind of stuff. You right, know, exactly. <laughs> Not like our subject matter is like attracting like the most of the, you know, the mentally well. What do, what do they say about, you know, like about A? They're like, this isn't a program of, of mental wellness. <laughs> right. Not at all. Not a, a hotbed of 
mm. mental health for sure. So you, so you're sober. How long have you been sober again? Uh, 14 years coming up on 15, I think. Yeah. Ju- uh, June 20th, 2007. That sounds right. Cause you know, I was telling a friend, like, like when you, when you get your 14th year of sobriety, it's like getting your 14th Ferrari. You know what I mean? It's like that first Ferrari was really fucking cool. But like you get the 14th one, you're like, yeah, yeah. All right. Where am I going to park this one? You know what I mean? Like it's, it's not nearly as exciting. It is cool. Sobriety has given me a, a beautiful life and I'm not hung up on the time thing as, as much as I was when I was, you know, sh- scrapping yeah, no, for I days. <laughs> One year, huge. Five years, big. Ten years, you know, then you have the, the milestones. I have a question for you. So you, you obviously are a coach and you help people. Do you feel like you have to portray yourself like you've got it all together now in order to like be a coach or do you are you still in a place where you're willing to get like vulnerable and be like hey I still struggle with shit today be honest I I think in order to be an effective coach I have to portray reality that I don't have it all together because you don't help anyone by being perfect right? You help people by showing that you're human, just like them. And you can do this. And that you're, you're walking alongside of them, not standing, you know, on some pedestal somewhere, you know, shouting the 10 commandments at them. (laughs) So yeah, I'm, I'm very human. And I feel like I I share that uh, with definitely with my clients one-on-one, but I feel like I put that throughout my, my writing throughout my, my articles and my blog, my Instagram posts of like, yeah, I make mistakes and I fall short. And that's, that's important. It's vital, actually. Do you have any recent stories of like being a shit show? Yeah, yeah. I, I published, I think, two weekends ago, I, I published an article every Saturday. And there was one where um, my wife said something that that triggered the bejesus out of me. And, uh, and uh, you want me to share the story? Or, yeah, I do. Or what? Yes. Okay, all um, right. We had a friend visiting us here in Panama, which is kind of a big, big deal. You know, and it was very exciting. Your wife's fun. also in the program or is she just in CODA or is she also sober? Uh, she is not sober, but she's okay. involved in, in, in 12 steps. Yeah. Yeah. All kinds of recovery and, and mm-hmm. self-help kind of stuff. She's she's in the mix. Um, but anyway, so we had a, a friend visit and uh, and we were in the car and um we're driving taking her through town and and my wife is like oh let's drive through town we can we can show show our friend you know the sights and whatnot so i'm driving i'm like oh this is the thing and they just built this and and i'm kind of like narrating a tour you know and my wife is like uh i don't know exactly what she said but essentially it was some version of can you stop telling her about everything you know like she like kind of shut shut my tour down and um and i, I was super triggered super triggered i mean um yeah it just it it felt like i wasn't allowed to talk to my friend you know that like me you know telling my friend when i'm excited about about my town was like somehow bothering my wife or something and i was just like what the fuck and so in a moment of being triggered i think a lot of people have the option to like shut down or throat punch someone right it's difficult to find the the middle way pull a will smith yeah, exactly. Just haul off and, and, and slap somebody in the mouth uh, on national television. Oh, my God. Anyway. Um, and so I was like, all right, you know, and I just 
I kind of like shut it down and, um, you know, we got home and I was salty and I kind of went my own way and I like went and took a shower and I was like having a heated debate with her in the shower by myself. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I was like, I yeah, I was like, <laughs> I was like, yeah, this, I, the whole night's going to be ruined unless we, we have this talk. And, um, and I knew I was activated, you know, I was, I was super fired up and just butt hurt and had stories running in my head. And, uh, and I was like, I need to sit down and like breathe. You know, so I went out on my porch and just sat there and was just mm. listening to the birds and the wind and just like trying to be in my body, just trying to like ground down and, uh, you know, let the dust settle a little bit. Anyway, she comes walking out and she's like, you know, hey, what's up, you know, with dinner or whatever. And she sees me like shook and, and she's like, hey, are you OK? And I'm like, no, <laughs> super not OK. And I was like, uh, real triggered. We need to talk about it. And, um, and so I share with her you know, what, what was going on. And, and I prefaced it by saying, Hey, a huge part of, of my childhood trauma is feeling like what I say doesn't matter. Right. Like I was the baby dysfunctional childhood. Uh, you know, I was kind of this invisible child went wantless and needless and whatever I said didn't matter. So like, who cares anyway? And I just, yeah, it felt like I didn't matter as a kid. And so I was like, you know, that's an issue. And also feeling like a burden again, kind of a, you know, youngest child in a dysfunctional household like you know i don't want to be a burden on an already clearly fucked situation so my contribution to the family will be to like not exist (laughs) you know that way it's not a problem but then i was diagnosed with diabetes when i was eight and i was like a biological burden to everyone around me like it was just very it sucked i was i was a burden to myself and so anyway so i shared this with rebecca i'm like hey you know feeling like what i say doesn't matter super triggering, feeling like a burden to people around me, super triggering for me. And I was like, and you made this comment and it, it karate chopped me right in, right in the middle of both of those things. And, uh, and I was like, I want nothing but to run away right now and disappear and let you, let you two have a girl's night. I was like, I like, I know that this is an extreme reaction. I know for sure it was not your intention to hurt my feelings but every cell in my body is screaming, fuck you right now. And I don't, I don't know what to do with that besides damage control, remove myself. And, uh, and so I, I framed it in this way. So it wasn't, I wasn't yelling at her and blaming her Mm -hmm. pointing fingers and look what you did to me stuff. You know, it was a lot of I statements. Mm -hmm. So it was a lot of, this Mm -hmm. is the story in my head kind of framing it in a way where she wouldn't need to be defensive because once there's defensiveness in, in, in a conversation, there's, there's no more conversation, <laughs> you know, like it just, it comes to a grinding halt and people are, you know, throwing grenades over the wall and whatever. So anyway, and she was super sympathetic and was like, Oh, you know, she held my hand. Hey, that's not what I meant. And, you know, but I, I hear what you're saying. And, and, and I, and I asked her, Hey, can you share your side of the story? Cause I don't, you know, all I have is like my trauma response and that's not like a very accurate story. So I was like, what was going on for you? You know, like, why, why did you say that? Cause I, you know, you said, let's, let's take her on a tour through town. And then you told me no talking, <laughs> you know, like what, what was your logic behind that? And she shared, she shared something that was, that was super reasonable and it made sense in terms of like our friend and whatever. I don't, I don't want to get into all the details, but it made perfect sense. And I was like, Oh, okay. I see where you were coming from. Anyway. Um, we worked it out. The, the end result was, um, Hey, if, if you're in a situation where I'm telling my wife, where you feel like, um, 
you would like for me to to talk less either because I'm saying something out of line or if I'm just, you know, if you're like overstimulated and you just, you want some quiet and I'm just, you know, I'm fired up about something or I'm being too loud. Like if there's a situation where you're like, Hey, buddy, pump the brakes. I was like, how about we come up with a signal that we can use, you know, that's like, you know, could be less triggering. And, and I said, how about, you know, you grab my hand and you squeeze my hand three times and just pump the brakes, you know, just like squeeze, like look me in the face, you know, I love you. And just like squeeze my hand. And it'll be like, it'll be our little secret signal of like, Oh, I'm fired the up. Fuck right up. And <laughs> yeah. It, it's a very kind, loving, please shut your face hole for a minute, <laughs> you know? And, uh, and, and it made sense. Like, I was like, I can get down with this because this is the thing that I've shared with my wife before that if she ever has feedback from me, I told her, um, you know, feeling like a burden sucks. So if she's like, Hey, you forgot to take out the trash. My brain is like, you're a deadbeat. And she wants a divorce. <laughs> like my brain goes mm-hmm. nuclear pretty quick. And so I was like, Hey, if you have something to share with me that, you know, feedback or something that might be tough. If you could start your sentence with, Hey, Adam, I love you. And dot, 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 whatever you need to say, I'm all ears, baby. You know, like if, if we start with a reminder of like, I love you. And there's this other thing I need to share. Mm. You can tell me fucking anything, you know? And so, so we have these, we have these ways. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) We have these tools for being able to communicate with each other Mm. that doesn't poke each other in our, in our, our wounded spots. Cause everyone's got these triggers, these buttons and shit. And so, you know, it makes sense to figure out what your partners are and don't, you know, back the car up into it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, that was a very not so shitty shit show. <laughs> oh, do I have anything sloppier? I don't know. No, nothing. That's okay. Welcome to Prime Video's Culture Rated Collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately. Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. I'll take that. That works. It, it felt awful. It felt terrible. So it it at the end of the day, like it it seemed wonderful. It seemed like oh, you're a great job at relationships. In the moment, I was ready to throw Molotov cocktails. Even when we were having the conversation, I was thinking about where to hide bodies and shit. Like it felt <laughs> awful the entire time. 
And then on the other side of the conversation, I was able to look back and go, wow, that worked. Mm -hmm. And so it's important to, to know that like you can be triggered as hell. You can have wounds and different attachment styles and, you know, you can have whatever baggage you have. And with enough training, you can just do the difficult thing that sucks and it doesn't have to feel good. You just, you just use the tools. And then at the end of the day, you're like, oh, well, I'll be damned. You know, that was sloppy. And then it, but it worked. <laughs> Do you think that, um, like given the mindset that you were in then, do you think that there would have been a situation like where it would have rolled off your back? Like, do you think that this is how that, that, that comment you would have responded to that regardless, or do you feel like there was anything else like kind of going on that would make you more sensitive to it now? Like in that moment, do you understand what I'm saying? I do not. Okay, never mind. Let's just pass. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I think there's a good question in there. It, it, it sounds like something along the lines of, um, are you always triggered the same way all the time? Yeah. Or is there like spiritual fitness? Like, have there been times, like, have there been other experiences where like she's made a comment like that and you've been able to be like, okay, well, whatever. And it didn't trigger that trauma or like, have there been times when she's made that comment and like, you've really flying off the deep end. Hmm. Yeah, no, that's a great question. Yeah. Spiritual fitness is, is, uh, where it's at. Um, my friend Kathy likes to say, uh, am I spiritually fit right now or is shit just going my way? <laughs> exactly. Because <laughs> when things are going your way, you're like, oh, spiritual as hell. You I know, love like, that. Dalai Lama status. Merch. When, we need to merch that. Yeah, exactly. But, but, you know, when life gets bumpy, as it is wont to do, um, mm -hmm. that's when you find out, right? Like, adversity doesn't necessarily build character as much as it reveals character. You know, when the shit hits the fan, we're going to find out what Will Smith is made of. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> So yes, I've had moments where um, let's, you know, I live with my wife in a foreign country during a pandemic. So my examples are going to relate to her. <laughs> um, there may be times where she's upset about something and maybe she wants to like point out some mundane detail of my life to, to set on fire. And, and sometimes I'll recognize, oh, this means she doesn't feel seen right now. She doesn't feel heard because that's one of her big things. Right. And so, um, you know, maybe she wants to argue about how I wash washed the silverware or, so, you know, some silly shit. It's never about the thing. Right. Like mm -hmm. people don't argue about the thing. That's like window dressing. And so, yeah, there's plenty of times where I recognize like, oh, she has an unmet need. She doesn't feel seen. You know, maybe I'm working too much or if I'm if I'm giving a lot of attention to like clients or sponsees or friends and not enough to her you know, she might, she might stir up a little stink. And, uh, and so instead of taking it personal and going into a shame spiral or whatever, I can say, you know, what can I do to, to show her some love and attention right now? Cause that's, that's what she needs. She doesn't, she doesn't need to win an argument. She just wants me to love her, you know? Um, and sometimes it may turn into a shit spiral, <laughs> you know? And so I guess, yeah, it depends on, you know, what I had for breakfast and, you know, if I had a good night's sleep or how much my cat is meowing, right. There's, there's factors to this. <laughs> Your comment on breakfast, <laughs> I have to tell you this story. So like on my dating profile, 
um, on the apps, it says like CPA turned podcaster. So whenever, whenever a guy asks like, oh, what's your podcast about? I always say like, hey, I'm happy to tell <laughs> you, but like, you're going to know everything that there is to know about me. Uh, so it's your choice if you prefer that I stay a bit more mysterious, you know? So I already shared this with the listeners, but I'll share it again. So I, so I'm talking with this guy and he, uh, we're having this conversation. He's like, okay, um, well, like let's unravel slowly then he goes, but I do have a few guesses about what your show's about. And I was like, okay, let's hear it. And, uh, he was like, number one, it's mental health related. Number two, it's health related. Number three, it's sports related. And I said to him, you nailed it. It's actually all three of those things. I said, it's actually about what semi-professional bipolar speed skaters should eat for breakfast. Like, <laughs> pulling his, like <laughs> pulled it out of my ass. And he was like, oh, wow. Like, this is all through text. He's like, oh, wow, what do I win? I was like, you win my number. And you can call me and ask me on a date. So the next day he calls me. I'm like working on the podcast. I answer the phone. He's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm working on my bipolar breakfast speed skater podcast. I'm like 100% positive. He realizes that this is a joke. And then like 10 minutes later in the conversation, I realized that like, no, he like legitimately thinks I have a podcast about what semi-professional bipolar speed skaters should eat for breakfast. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> <Isn't that> rough. <laughs> so did you go on the date or no? Did no. You retract? Well, no, yeah, okay. no. He also <laughs> told me that I sounded Eastern European, which was weird. Um, and yeah. He, I was just like, I said to him, I said, this is concerning for two reasons. I said, one, you believed me. And two, you kept talking to me. Like, <laughs> <laughs> like you isn't that a red flag? <laughs> yeah. Um, no, he, I never heard, like, no, he, he said on the phone, he was like, no, I'd like to take you out on a date like this time or whatever. And then I was like, okay. But then I was like thinking about, I was like, no, if he doesn't get my sense of humor, like this isn't going to work. And I never heard from him again. So I'm sure he was mortified that that's what he thought. So yeah, as he should be. Yeah, it could, in my could have been tough on his ego early on in the game. <laughs> but really, <laughs> really? Yeah. Oh, Lordy. Um, yeah. So let's talk about attachment shit. Now, okay. I think that most people listening are probably familiar, but let's do a 10,000 foot overview on what the hell we mean by that. And if you want to break down the different types. Okay. Okay. Let's, see what, let's see what we can do with this. So attachment theory, I think is the, the framework for how human beings relate to other human beings. Who came up with it? So John Bowlby started the research, Mary Ainsworth, uh, Mary Main, a bunch of other people contributed to it and, and, and built upon it. And, um, it's, when, it's, what year are we talking here? Oh, Lordy, I don't know, 60s, 70s. I could have okay. just made that up. We don't know. 7 BC? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, um, let's see, big picture. So attachment, when babies are born, they need a caregiver to, to be there. To I mean, humans are the most dependent little larva animals when we're born like we're, we're completely useless when we're i don't born. like that word yeah larva. Well, let's not use that again okay <laughs> no more no more of that but we're we're these like you know like 
a baby horse can trot at like three hours old. A, wow. a baby, a human baby is, is trash for like the first 18 years. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> like it's, it's tough to get us up and running, but anyway, um, yeah, we're these little human starter kits. And, uh, but we, so if you just left a baby there on the table, it, it would, it would perish rapidly without the nurturing caregiver. So we need to attach to uh, a, a parent figure of some for, some sort that can give us nurturing and protection and care and, and food and shelter, all that stuff. So attachment is our very first essential human need, right? We, we absolutely need to attach. Okay. Now, um, in this attachment, we get connection and we get protection. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to simplify things here and make it very, um, it's good. you know, big picture connection and protection. Um, when we don't get our need for connection that adequately, so there's sporadic parenting, there's abandonment, there's emotional distance, where there's no connection or there's not consistent connection being met, we develop an anxious attachment style, which is like, oh, I have to chase people down. I have to pretend to be something I'm not. I got to tap dance for my worth. I need to like, you know, Mm-hmm. I can't get my needs met. I need to chase after people to get my needs met um, because there's this abandonment of some sort, physical or, or emotional abandonment that creates this, this anxious pattern of relating to other people. And you carry that through the rest of your life, mm-hmm. <laughs> unfortunately. Um, now there's something you can do about it, obviously, but we'll get to that later. Um, if your need for protection is not met, if there's unhealthy closeness abuse, control, manipulation. If you get a sense that like relationships are not safe, you know, when you're a kid, you develop an avoidant attachment style, which doesn't mean that you don't want connection. It's just that you have an experience of relationships not being a safe place. And so, um, yeah, so you have anxious and avoidant are are the, the two main dysfunctional, insecure attachment styles. Um, either, uh, you know, I'm running towards people or I'm kind of, you know, pushing people away. It's super generalized. We're talking right now. And then there's also disorganized attachment style when you have both experiences of unhealthy closeness and unhealthy distance, mm-hmm. you know, and you're like, oh, I need relationships. You dive into one and you're like, oh, shit, this isn't safe. And you want to sabotage it. Like, it's, you know, hence the name disorganized. It doesn't follow one pattern of, you know, consistent behavior in relationships. Um, and then if you had wonderful parents that were attuned to your emotional needs and took care of you and, you know, gave you, screw you. you yeah, <laughs> screw you. But, but then you know, you don't a- be turn this podcast off. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> this <isn't> for you. <laughs> but that's, that's, they call that secure attachment. Right. And that's, that's the Holy grail of, of human relationships. They say that's um, 50%. Do you believe that? I don't believe that. It's, it's, it's hard for me to believe. Yeah, 50%. I don't know. But anyway, um, and so, uh, yeah, there's, there's, I guess, I don't know, should, should I characterize attachment styles a little bit more? Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah, maybe, um, yeah, some traits or even okay. things that would be kind of subtle signs of each one. Yeah, I, I think there's some, some basic characteristics that are generalizations, but I think are super helpful. So um, anxious folks tend to have a negative view of the self and a positive view of others. Mm-hmm. 
right? They're putting people on pedestals, chasing after people, you know, other people's needs matter more than mine, yada, yada. Um, avoidance have the opposite where they have a positive view of themselves and a negative view of others. Like, oh, this person is needy or clingy they want too much for me or whatever. And like, I'm, I'm fine by myself. You know, I don't, I don't need this person up my butt right now. Uh, and then uh, disorganized has kind of negative view of self and others. Mm-hmm. And then secure is, is a positive view of, of self and a positive view of others. Mm-hmm. So there's these, these four permutations of your opinion of self and others, you know, that, that create these four different um, uh, attachment styles. And then what isn't exactly a one-to-one correlation, but what you'll see often with these, these four different attachment styles is four different conflict styles. And I love this. And I, I, I would like to say that I discovered this. I wrote an article about it. I've never seen it anywhere else, but I'm going to go ahead and say, okay, we'll uh, give you the credit. I'm planting my flag in this one. Okay. Okay. Let's do it. Anxious people tend to have a lose-win conflict resolution style, which means I'm going to take the L so you can be happy. Anxious people are like, you know, throw themselves under the bus. They're like, whatever, I don't, I don't you know, sweep my, my wants and my needs under the rug, self-sacrifice, self-abandonment. I want you to be happy. I'll yeah. lose. You can win. Fawning. It's kind of like fawning. Yes, exactly. It's exactly what that is. Which is kind of a weird word. It, it is. I don't like it. Like fight, fawn, freeze, fawn. flee. Those are great. And then fawn. Fawn. I figure like it, is I, that? I see a baby deer in the woods. Oh, yeah. Well, like, yeah. So anyway, that's that's the word we got. We needed an F word to complete uh, the the alliteration scheme there. Anyway, um, where was I? Uh, so then anxious so, would be lose win or win lose. Uh, avoidance. Yeah, sorry. Avoidant would be win lose. Uh huh. Avoidant people have a win lose. Like, hey, I'm. It's going to be my way or the highway, you know, or like, screw you. <laughs> they have a win lose attitude towards stuff, going into arguments and, and conflict. Of it needs to be my way. Um, disorganized. They roll a hand grenade right into the thing. They're like, fuck everything. I'm taking everybody down. If I can't have it, nobody can. You know, like lose lose. Basically, it's a lose lose yeah. situation. They just they burn it to the ground. And secure attachment. Everyone's a winner. You look for a win-win solution, which it's always possible to have a win-win solution for the most part, maybe 99% of the time. But but no one's getting thrown under the bus. No one is getting shamed or blamed or any of this stuff. We're saying, hey, you have needs. I have needs. Let's talk about how we can both get these needs met in a way that, that feels safe and respectful for both of us. It's miraculous. <laughs> Rather, people do this. Everyone gets a so, trophy. Where are you on the on your conflict style? Do you, do you take the L or do you make other people wrong? Like, how do you do that? Where do you see yourself? You know, it's so interesting. Well, today, I don't know. I feel like I'm pretty win-win now. Nice. Um, I do. Um, in the past, lose win for sure because I'm I'm anxious. It's so interesting this coming up and um, a conversation I was having with like a friend. Uh, yesterday, you know, I, I don't have any room in my life today for people who are not able to talk shit out. Yeah. You know, like I'm not, I, I don't, I was just talking to a friend about that. I fuck up. We all do. Yep. Um, 
but I need to have people in my life who are willing to have those difficult conversations. I want to know, I want to know if I've said something wrong or I've hurt someone's feelings. Like I want to know, and I'm like totally open to having that conversation. Um, I'm just not, not down to just like brush things under the rug and like not, not address them and act like things are fine. Like I just don't have space for that. So, but I wanted to ask, so I, when I was talking to my friend, so she had this situation where she's a, she's anxious, her friend's avoidant. They had a situation where my friend who's anxious, she, she felt like the other person was being kind of cold and aloof when they were, um, going through a hard time. And now the avoidant has kind of like turned the situation around to where like my friends in the fault, we can talk about it with relationships, but like, let's talk about it from like a friendship perspective. Like how yeah. the hell do avoidance and anxious, like how do they have successful friendships? What do you do? Cause I think that this is the way it is, right? I feel like with anxious attachers, they want to have the fucking conversation right away. Right. And so I guess that I'm saying I'm secure, but like that is showing me that like the, my anxiousness coming through, like I want the resolution. Yeah. I guess what I will say, what has changed about me is that I won't force a conversation anymore. Mm -hmm. And if somebody is like not willing to have that conversation, I will allow that space and I'll walk away. But how, yeah, how, how do you, how do you handle that when one person wants to have the conversation, wants to hash it out. The other person is completely incapable of having that conversation. How do you move forward? Yeah. Um, so the anxious avoidant pair is yes, a tale as old as time. Well, I wouldn't call it a trap. Um, I, I think it's natural. I, I think it's completely natural. It's peas and carrots. And what's good to understand about the kind of the, I don't know if you want to call it symbiotic nature of their relationship, but um, they have kind of inverse triggers, right? So, mm -hmm. so when the, when the anxious person feels someone pulling away from them, they get activated, they want to get closer and, you know, get connection, get love, reestablish, whatever. Um, the avoidant person, when someone is moving close to them, gets triggered, gets the same feeling of overwhelm, the same activation and flooded feeling that when someone is pulling away from the anxious, when someone gets close to the avoidant, they get that same freak out. And so they run away. And so, you know, they have like, you know, reciprocal trauma responses. And so it, it's the perfect, perfect shit spiral, mm -hmm. right? So having an anxious avoidant friendship, relationship, boss or employee, relate, like any relationship anxious avoidant creates a, a very predictable and, and volatile dynamic. Now, if you understand, kind of, you know, how each one of these people operate and what their needs are and what their feelings and what their triggers are, you can kind of navigate that gently, mm -hmm. um, you know, and it just, it takes some smooth communication, some nonviolent communication. And yeah. Uh, so for your friend, for this friendship, how do we make this friendship work? Um, I think it comes down to boundaries yeah. of being like, Hey, this is, this is what feels good for me. This is, this is what I need in a relationship that's meaningful, you know, I need, I need someone to like, you know, not disappear for a month and not talk to me and then show up. Like, it's all cool. Like that doesn't mm. work for me or whatever your, whatever your needs are around any relationship, right. This shows up in work relationships. Like you need to tell your boss, Hey, this is what I need in order to do my job successfully. And in order for me to like my job, 
If I don't have these things, I'm going to suck at my job and I'm going to hate it. And then you're going to have a terrible employee. So would you provide these things? You know, and it's, it's a win-win, right? Cause it, you know, I feel better. I'm a better employee. Boom. Everyone wins. And so, yeah, we do this with our relationships. Hey, this is what I need in order for this relationship to feel safe and respectful, you know? And so if, if there's an avoidant who, you know, needs to pull away, you know, the anxious person can be like, Hey, you know, sounds like you need some space. You needed some time to process or whatever. Um, and I would, I would really love to have this conversation with you. Maybe we'll go, you know, go have lunch or something or have a sit down or whatever it is, but it's, it's important for me to have this conversation. Absolutely. How, but how does an anxious person, how does one distinguish between like, this is a valid and healthy need versus this is like an unhealthy need that I need, like in order to feel like validation and reassurance. Mm, yes. Yes. No, that's great. Great question. Because to, to a, a severely anxious person who has done no recovery work. Like I need you to text me every 30 minutes. That's my need. Yeah. I need that. <laughs> and it feels that way. It, it literally feels that way for people who have unresolved trauma right? It's a, it's a visceral compulsive thing that has all the feelings of what needs feel like. Cause when you don't do this, I feel like I'm dying. When you don't text me every 30 minutes, my body starts to shut yeah, down. I literally think I'm, I, I'm pretty sure I'm dying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and that happens. That really happens. And so if you're someone who's either anxious, avoidant, whatever you are, you know, if, 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 if you have problems in your life that are compulsive, reoccurring, you know, maybe bad habits or like what's wrong with me kind of problems. That's some shit you need to heal. That's some stuff you need to learn about. You need some therapy. You need some 12 step. You need something to take a look at it, find out what's driving your bus because it's not healthy, secure attachment driving your bus. Mm -hmm. So that would be my, my number one recommendation is find out, you know, wh what your wounds are, what your triggers are, what, what's all the stuff that, um, that's, that's making you crazy. Find out what your crazy is, you know, and find out how you can treat that, how you can heal that and find out what healthy needs are. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause it, the problem with, with growing up in a dysfunctional household is you think it's normal because everyone, you know, like you're just born into this thing mm -hmm. and you have nothing else to compare it to. So you're like, yeah, this is normal. Like it's Tuesday, dad's beating mommy, you know, or like the cops are here again, or like, you know, dad said we're low on q-tips and disappeared for three days you know or like you're like this is fine this i is heard totally there's fine. a shortage yeah you know Q -tips. for sure mm -hmm. yeah he had to go to mexico to go get some more um or yeah whatever your normal is um people just accept that as like yeah this is fine and so they they have all the i think most people have some type of um either trauma or conditioning or maladaptive behaviors or something from their childhood that they don't even realize isn't, um, isn't healthy because we, 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 we escape our childhood. <laughs> we get out of there as fast as we can. And then we like get jobs and degrees and mortgages and shit. And we start acting real adulty and like, don't look at me, you know, like everything's fine over here. I mow my lawn or whatever. Like we just pretend like we're adults. Weed whacker. And yeah, we, we we weed whack whatever we gotta do, and uh, and we don't we don't look at the past, even though that shit is driving all of our relationships. 
Well, that's why I created this fucking podcast. <laughs> exactly. You got to do some crime scene investigation. Go back in there. That's where all the juicy stuff is. People. Okay, but on listening. that, on that though, everything I read is like your attachment style is developed like in the first three years of your life. Yeah. Like I don't know what the fuck happened. Yeah, well, that's that's also a thing. <laughs> Who knows what happened? And whatever caused you to be an anxious attacher by the time you were three years old, your parents probably didn't switch the game up after your third birthday. They probably kept on doing that same bullshit for, you know, the rest of your life. Um, but what if something happened like, I mean, around, I don't know, six or seven, I feel like that's when I became aware of things or things started. But is it possible that somebody could have like a, like a healthy parents relationship, like up until age six and then things change and then you develop an anxious attachment or like would that secure already be kind of like formed and solidified by then do you know about that like can it change during yeah. childhood i don't know that there's a, a a black and white yes no answer to yeah. that but i i feel like from what i know so like look at the work of of dr bruce perry who's like yeah. super gangster developmental mm -hmm. child psychologist you know worked with all of the worst traumatized cases of children in the world. Anyway, um, he talks about how trauma in the first two months of life has a far greater impact than trauma, you know, after that, you know, from, from two months to 18 years old, <laughs> like just timing on trauma matters and severity and recurrence. Like there's a lot of things that, um, that, that play as factors, but, um, yeah, I think if you had a, a, a wonderful childhood until you were six and then your parents died and you got caught up in the foster care system and shit got weird, you'd have a, a million percent chance better of not, you know, shooting dope in the gutters and, and, and scrapping copper wiring, you know, from people's houses and ended up in prison. Right. Like if when you have that secure experience, because that's our early childhood experiences, like I said, babies are human starter kits and they're little sponges and they absorb, they find out when they're born right away, they start looking around and absorbing everything and saying, Hey, is it safe around here? Can I trust people around here? Is, can I get my needs met around here? And they find out what kind of universe they're living in. And once they have that programmed in there, that's the operating system, mm -hmm. right? And, and, and babies, I'll try not to go way down the, the, the matrix rabbit hole right now, but babies operate on like delta brainwave like when you're sleeping like kind of super low frequency brainwave activity and then as they grow they move into a theta brainwave um which so this delta theta alpha these are all kind of subconscious lower mind brainwave frequencies and then we we grow up and move into beta brainwave frequencies which is like waking life running around you know doing algebra buying groceries kind of just thinking brain stuff but those the early brainwave frequencies that's all of our subconscious mind our subconscious mind is being programmed in our early years mm -hmm. and then we just operate on that and then we're just as adults we're just running around on the beta frequency and we're not we're not even touching those other frequencies they're just playing like a like an old dusty tape on loop just playing. And so Bruce Lipton is this cat, this biologist who, who wrote a book called The Biology of Belief. He says, your life is a printout of your subconscious mind. Mm -hmm. I love that. And so we get this shit programmed in us when we're, when we're little babies. 
And it's just in there swirling around and we're, we're adults and our thinking brains are like logical adult brains are like, why am I doing this? It doesn't make sense. I read these books, but your subconscious mind is just printing out shit, print that shit out. out. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And we're like, you know, what's going on here? And so that's why hypnotherapy is awesome. Right. Mm-hmm. To, mm-hmm. You can walk people down into those subconscious states. That's like EMDR. And mm-hmm. there's different modalities to, to work. Not with people's thinking brain. That's the thing yes. about healing. There's some cognitive work to do for sure. Crime scene investigation, learn about attachment theory, like do all this book learning. But there's your nervous system that's just fucking wired a certain way. You can't read a book that away. You know what I mean? You can't make it go away with information. You have to feel in your body feelings and experiences of being safe, seen, soothed, and secure, and knowing that you're competent and getting your needs met, being able to take care of yourself and set boundaries. You need to feel that in your body. And then your, your, your physical organism goes, oh, oh, the war is over. Oh, cool. We can, like, we can function. We can be adults. We can mature now. I, just, I went on a sick rant. I want to pause there and, and leave some space for you to, I can keep going. No, I, well, I have something. Yeah. So I have several things well, really quickly. Let me ask you this. Um, do people ever have one attachment style in romantic relationships and a different one in friendships? So people with disorganized attachment Could. definitely flip flop, you know, and, and, and keep, keep people in different boxes. You know, and um, well, can even show up in a romantic relationship anxious, and then the next time avoidant. Avoidant, yeah. Um, so, so that definitely happens um, with people that are uh, on the disorganized side of things. I had someone ask this question. They said, "In retrospect, I feel like I'm anxiously, anxiously attached until I'm in a relationship, and then I switch to avoidant somehow." And I'm like, "She said, is that an AC specific, or am I just nuts?" And I said, "No, it sounds like you're disorganized." Yeah. Yeah, that could be a thing that uh, she's disorganized. It also depends on the partner, right? Um, because it, it's a spectrum, right? I mean, this these things are kind of labels. I'm anxious. I'm avoidant. It's a whole spectrum, right? It's not really, you know, just this kind of binary thing. Um, but so when your partner is further to the right or further to the left of you, that's going to determine, you know, what kind of person you are even if someone is a securely attached person and let's say i'm flaming anxious mm-hmm. and i show up you know with all this anxiety shit and protest behaviors and and mm-hmm. you know writing love songs for them and whatever goes on and they they hit me with the whoa whoa you know the whoa oh, like whoa that. whoa the you know whoa. i like that <laughs> they give me the whoa I'm gonna whoa that's my new move um, whoa whoa you guys it's a really cool move yeah. They already yeah. know that my dance moves aren't getting any guy in erection. So, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> there it is. Work it, work it. Yeah, you got the left and the right. Okay. Um, so, an anxious, or I'm sorry, a secure person might start looking a little avoidant to someone who's super anxious because they have to, they got to put up some strong boundaries because the anxious person is not afraid of barbed wire fences. The anxious person will throw a grappling hook over that thing, you know, like, so yeah, we can kind of bring different attachment patterns out of Of other partners, depending on, yeah. No, we manifest it into our reality. It's, it sucks. Yeah. (laughs) 
Yeah. So here's here's the thing that I like to share with people. So I'm I'm type one diabetic. I shared that. If I don't take insulin, I'll be dead within 48 hours. Right. And if I like kind of don't really take care of myself, kind of sort of sort of and I'm eating cake and not exercising and just, you know, whatever, it'll shut down my liver and they'll amputate amputate some feet and things and like it'll destroy me. My life will suck. I'll go blind, whatever. But if I take care of my condition, I live a beautiful, long, healthy, wonderful life. Like I'm 37 in the best shape of my life. My life is fantastic. I've been diabetic 30 years. I take care of it. Everything is lovely. I go where I want to go. I do where I want, what I want to do. Like it's all good. Attachment style is kind of like this. If you don't know what your attachment style is and you don't know how to take care of it, it can, it can destroy your life. <laughs> it could, it could burn down your relationships, make your life really suck. You know, they might have to amputate a foot. Um, but if you know your attachment style and you're like, Oh, I know that I'm just predominantly anxious. That's like my go-to I'm anxious. And I know what that looks like. I know what it means. I know the signs. I know what I need to do to take care of my condition. Because mm-hmm. my anxious attachment isn't your problem. It's not my partner's problem. And a lot of people really want it to be their partner's problem. It's not. It's your shit and you need to take personal responsibility for it. And when you do, it's lovely. And your partner's like, oh, cool, let's be together. Because you're not this liability where I have to you know, feel responsible for your outrageous feelings all the time. <laughs> you know, no one wants to be around that shit. So taking, so find out what your deal is, what your ACA, your codependency, your, your, you know, whatever, whatever is, is driving your bus, whatever shame you have, whatever anxious avoidance stuff, find out what it is and figure out, Hey, how do I, how do I live with this? How do I manage this condition? And when you do, it's fine. Do you feel like at the root of any insecure attachment is complex trauma? Yeah, I think that's what we would call that complex trauma because um, PTSD, you know, could be like I was in a car accident yeah, yeah, or, yeah. you know, yeah. you know, just an event and, and complex trauma is, is more recurring uh, things. And, and that's a lot of times what childhood dysfunction is, is complex trauma. It's just developmental relational trauma. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I guess my question is, do you feel like if somebody has, if somebody is not secure, if they have another attachment style, is that indic- is that an indication that there is some sort of unresolved trauma? I say yes. I, I agree. I, I put all my money on yes. It, you, if you Google anything hard enough, you'll find somebody to say no, but I truly believe that. All my clients I work with that I'm coaching people that got insecure attachment styles. A hundred percent of them would go back in their childhood and they were beat. They were abandoned. Even like, you know, they were diagnosed with a a weird disease when they were two. And then they were, they were in the hospital for a month and they didn't see their parents. Like, Like there's some kind of thing happened with every one of these people. The only exception being people who say, I don't remember my childhood, which means some shit went down. Yeah, clearly. So <laughs> we don't need to know what happened. That shit was traumatic. I am yeah. positive. One thousand percent. Yes. Sold. Um, yeah. So I want to talk a little bit about um, something that I've like alluded to on the podcast, but I haven't really got into much detail. So I'm assuming like when you work with clients, 
do you typically advise that they do have like i think we talked about this in our last episode but i feel like there's like when it comes to this stuff first i think that there's work that we have to do right alone single and then once we get to a certain place then there's the next level of work right like that has to be done trying to have a relationship right uh i think it's unrealistic to think that and i wish it could be this way i wish it could be like okay I'm going to be single for a while. I'm going to work on all my shit. And then when I start dating again, it is just going to be easy breezy, you know, Lovely. like a yep. slice of pie, no challenges. Yeah. Uh, but that's unrealistic. Um, that doesn't happen. No, that's not real. So, so it was like a couple of months ago and I, um, I connected with somebody not, it was, we did not meet under the guise of romance. It was like kind of more, uh, platonic, I don't want to say platonic, but basically I connected with somebody and, um, this was the first person since Brian number two (laughs) that I like actually had butterflies about, like I hadn't felt this way, like in a long time. Um, and I was like, wow, I really think that like all the, all the boxes are checked you know, like everything that I'm looking for. And I was like, oh my God, I think that this is maybe like the type of person that I've been like working so hard on myself to attract. So of course my shit gets triggered, right? Like my Mm -hmm. fear of abandonment gets triggered. And boy, I had not felt those feelings in a while. And boy, do those feelings fucking suck. Like it is so fucking miserable. Um, but it was such a different experience for me because yes, I was getting activated. Yes. My body was having a trauma response, but the dialogue in my head, it was, it was night and day, you know, like I was able like Mm. in the moment to have the realization like, oh, you're having a trauma response right now. You're feeling triggered, activated. Uh, it really has nothing to do with like this current situation. And as my therapist said, this is just more unresolved business. And I'm like, I'm done solving business lady. Like, can we please <laughs> shut this business the fuck down? <laughs> um, Closed but it was, for business. Yes. So, so it was a very interesting experience for me. And when I would start to feel that way, if I was like waiting for him to call me or text me, and uh, I would start to feel that way. Like a couple of things were different for me. Like one, I wouldn't try to avoid the feeling. I would sit, I'd stop what I was doing. I would sit with it. I'd close my eyes. I'd really try to connect with what I was feeling in my body. I've never been like on the inner child like train. I've always like, it's always weirded me out a little bit, but like, I did. I like imagined myself like as a kid and I told myself, I said, I'm not gonna abandon you. You know, like that is, Mm. that is, that's my big fear is that, um, it's not just like abandonment, but it's like, um, like unsolicited abandonment. It's going to like, just like happen out of nowhere. Something's going to be fine. And then like in the matter of an hour, somebody's going to decide that they actually have no interest in me at all. Like that's kind of where my head will go for no rhyme or reason. So that was one thing. So I would sit with myself. I was telling my like little Andrea, like, I love you. I'm not going to abandon you. Like you don't have anything to worry about. Um, and so that was great because it really would pass a lot faster, a lot faster. Mm, the yeah. other thing that I noticed that I was doing differently was when I would call to reach out to other people, 
in the past, it would have been like, so he sent me this text message at this time. And then I replied with this. And then he replied with like one, like with an, a period, but like, usually he replies with an exclamation, you know, I'd like, be like, what do you think this means? And like, <laughs> like trying to like have them tell me, like calling them for reassurance that like everything's okay. And like telling them all the details. And that's not what I was doing. I was calling them and like, Hey, I'm, I'm feeling triggered. Like I'm having a trauma, you know, it was not about like the specifics of the situation, but mm. more like, oh, like yeah. this is how I'm feeling. So that was huge for me too. Um, yeah. So it was really interesting for me to like practice these new behaviors. And like every time I would feel like, oh my God, he's, I'm never gonna hear from him. Like he always followed through, like I would always hear from him. So then it's like a couple weeks in and a red flag appears. <laughs> can, can, I, can I interject just yeah, for a moment? Yeah. All abandonment is self-abandonment. Mm -hmm. All rejection is self-rejection. So when you were in your fear of abandonment, what you needed to know was that I am here for myself. Mm. Because if you don't abandon yourself, like no one else can, can hurt you, right? Like it's, and this is the thing, self-abandonment always feels like loneliness. Even if you have your mm. person or you're in a room with a hundred people who love you, if you've abandoned yourself, you will always feel lonely and not good enough and not fulfilled. So when you, instead of pointing outwards and trying to solve problems and stuff, you looked at yourself and said, Hey, how can I care for myself? Love myself, be with myself, feel my feelings, be in this moment. What do I need to do to take care of me? Boom, no more abandonment. There it is. Love it. Love it. I just wanted to kind of- I appreciate that. You know, Thank you. Narrate that. So please, continue with please. your amazing story. Um, so yeah, so red flag pops up and, I, and I'm and i honest about it, like with people in my life. I'm like, this is a red flag. This is like a 100% non-negotiable, right? And they're like, yes, absolutely. Human, um, human trafficking. Yeah, exactly. That, that was his career. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it turns out he, yeah, exactly. Um, That's no good. I can't work with that. No. <laughs> so- um. So like around this time that I'm like discovering this, he starts to pull away. Mm -hmm. um, he's in the, pro he's like in sobriety too. And um, I, um, so he, he kind of ghosts me and um, several days went by and then I reached out to him. He didn't, he doesn't live in California. So then I reached out to him and I was like, hey, cause we had been talking like every day, which in hindsight, that's where I went wrong is that I didn't need to be talking to this person so much so quickly. So like, that's one big lesson that I've learned. And I'm sure that's something yep. that you talk about with clients and we can talk about that. But so I, I finally like reach out to him like, Hey, did you die? <laughs> you know, it's been like a long time. And I was in a place, I want to say this, I was in a place where like, I don't know explain it. I felt sending it that like, if I didn't hear from him, I would be okay versus in the past, you know, like when you were, you send the text and you're like, fuck, why did I do that? You know, you feel like so much worse afterwards. <laughs> After spending an hour crafting yes, it too. <laughs> yes. So like, I knew I was like, okay, like I'm going to be okay. Like, even if this person never responds to me. So he does respond. He's like, yes, I'm alive. And I was like, are you pulling a Brian number one sober edition on me? <laughs> Cause he goes to me too. And he had listened to my first episode. So he knew this. So then he calls me and he's like, no, I'm not. And um, basically what he tells me that the reason that he's kind of like pulled away and stopped reaching out to me was because of distance, like, cause we live in different States, which that's been clear from the beginning. So this is what yeah. I heard in that moment. Like what I heard in that moment was 
I'm not good enough. Mm. I heard I'm not good enough because if I were good enough, then distance wouldn't matter, you know, like all of these things. And so I do like I, I would say what I did differently in that conversation was I said, I never would have done this before. I said to him, I was like, Hey, you know, we, we'd been talking every day. I wasn't, you you were telling me that you were coming to visit me. I said, it's really inconsiderate to talk to me every day. And then just like fall off the face of the earth in the past. I would never have said something like that because I would be afraid to run them off. Um, But we have this conversation. He tells me that I get off. I'm very triggered. I'm very upset. You know, I like start spiraling out. It's late. I couldn't get a hold of anyone on the phone. I finally did. And then I talked it out and it was like, by the end of that phone conversation, and I didn't even need her to tell me it. It's like, that's not the reality of the situation. It actually has nothing to do with me. And it actually has nothing to do with me not being good enough. And I think one thing that really helped me, and I don't know if you saw this on my social media, a couple months ago, I got a DM from Brian number one on Instagram. I hadn't heard from him since 2015. And essentially what he said to me, he was like, he's been following my podcast. He's like, (laughs) he was like, Hey, um, I've been following what you're doing is amazing. He goes, you know, I've been to rehab twice since we last saw each other and this disease, like I'm struggling with alcoholism and, and this disease is why I couldn't connect with you. And I'm so sorry for that. And it was like the story that I had made up in my head at that time when he ghosted me was like that I'm not good enough. Mm-hmm. That, had not, that wasn't the reality of the situation. And like, thank God that I received that because going through this experience now, I could, it was easy, a lot easier for me to be like, hey, this has absolutely nothing to do with you're not good enough. I, I love to talk about why shame gathers evidence, but I don't want to interrupt your flow if you want to. Well, keep no, going. I mean, and so uh, to, to button it up and put a little pretty little bow on it. It was um, such a different experience for me um, to be able to go through those those f- feelings of feeling activated and having those um, those trauma responses and those limiting beliefs pop up, but just like see the tools that I've learned, um, see the development of self that I've cultivated, the self-esteem, the self-worth. I mean, it's not Mm. like completely solid, but God, it's a whole hell of a lot stronger than it was before. Um, And it didn't, it it was just, um, it sucked. The feeling sucked, but like, God, it's such a miracle and such a blessing to just see the fruits of my labor. So that's my, Mm. that's the end of the story. That's a win. That's a win. I love that. Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. But like, can I just like meet the, like, I don't, I don't need to do this. Can I just like meet the right person next time? Like I don't <laughs> fucking want to do this shit anymore. As I said, yeah. business closed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. This is the unfortunate thing is that um, this is how we, we learn. Like we learn, we learn through experience, right? Like I don't know if Einstein, it might've been Einstein. who said experience isn't the best teacher. It's the only teacher. Mm, fuck Einstein. Right. So you, yeah, fuck that guy. <laughs> but you can read all these books, you can do all the therapy, you know, talk about it in your 12-step groups, whatever. But you have to live it. You have to do it. You have to make it your own. You have to feel it in your bones. You have to experience it. And you got to hear those words come out of your own mouth when you set a boundary or when you when you do the right thing. Like you need that experience to to rewire your nervous system. Um you made me think when, when you were sharing, uh Gabor Mate says that. It was in an interview or something. You probably won't find it if you look at his literature, but uh, I heard him say that um, 
trauma teaches us to fear our feelings instead of feel our feelings that you know what that's so true like when those feelings started to come up for me that was the scariest thing was like holy shit i'm so afraid of going to that place again i'm so afraid of becoming that person again of losing myself especially when I'm in this big moment of transitioning into this being my career. I'm like, I, I can't, like, I cannot lose myself like in this moment. No. And so, yeah, that, that was really, that probably was the most painful part of it was like the fear of going back to that dark, dark place that I'd been so many times in the past. Mm -hmm. And so you can use that statement to, to realize that when you begin to actually feel your feelings and allow yourself to feel them, and you can sit with them. You can you can tolerate your own feelings without needing to to self medicate or escape or or you know whatever you do with it instead of feeling it. When you build this capacity for being human, for making mistakes, for having feelings and sitting with it and saying, okay, where do we go from here? That's when you know you're healing. Mm. Instead of just running away from from the the experience or or just saddling your trauma response and riding off into the sunset, <laughs> you know, like just sitting still and going, okay, what's going on right now? What's happening? Mm. Because that means you've built enough safety in your life for that to be possible. Because if I don't feel safe, I'm doing lizard brain shit all day. Mm. And you can't stop me. I need to build safety in my life, in my relationships, in my job, in my, my home, like my finances. Like I need to feel safe. Mm -hmm. And when I feel safe, then I can heal. Mm. You, can't, you can't heal from inside the burning building. You have to create a safe life for yourself. Mm -hmm. Once you have healthy, adult, mature connections, you got people you can rely on. You have tools and resources. You have this like secure base to stand on. Then you can do some really awesome healing work and you can start seeing the growth that you're seeing in yourself. I love that. So, um, let's talk about like when you're working with clients mm -hmm. and they have done kind of the inner work and now we're ready for like stage two, where we're like combining the inner work with outside relationships. What is kind of the guidance that you're giving to them? uh, as they're trying to dip their toe back in the pond. Okay. So there's, um, it, it sounds like you're saying they've, they've done a lot of the, like I'm single and I'm working on myself. Yeah. I've done, we've, yeah, we've looked at some shit trauma stuff. Mm -hmm. Like now they have, they have the knowledge. Yes. Now they're ready for some experience. Yes. Okay. Um, so there's, there's framework around dating just around like, you know, what dating looks like, what, you know, if you're online dating, you have what your profiles look like or how you communicate with people, or if you're texting with them, you know, all day, every day. Right. So there's just mechanics of healthy dating. What do you, what, okay. Um, from a profile perspective, I mean, what are you, what kind of guidance are you giving them there as far as things that they should include or not include? Um, so not self-deprecating shit because mm. that puts out a vibe of, I don't really value myself. So come walk on me, please. Mm. You know, or, or things like we radiate, like whatever's, whatever's inside of us, we radiate whether we like it or not. And so, um, yes, any, any self deprecating or like desperate, like I really need you to look at these cleavage pictures right now in order for me to feel <laughs> that you, you know, or like what, like there's, 
there's certain things where, you know, I don't know if I can give you like a list, but you know, I've, I've had clients share their profile with me and I'm like, Ooh, here we go. All right. We're going to clean this one up. (laughs) (laughs) So certain pictures, certain, like the way you talk to yourself, Mm -hmm. um, oversharing, undersharing, Mm-hmm. Right. Depending on, you know, if you're, you're anxious or avoidant or, or what's going on with you. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a, a healthy amount of mature sharing and it's and it's good to connect with someone and have a list of what I'm looking for in a partner. Mm-hmm. Right. Like, you know, like you have your actually write down a list and this is I have the workbook on my website and and I, your listeners. I told them last time yep, yep. Uh, if you go to fixyourpicker.com slash. Mm-hmm. Adult child podcast. Yeah, yep. I'll put it, it again and I'll put um, it again tomorrow. I have it. Yeah, you, you can download this workbook, but it gives you this this inventory of like what do I actually want in a partner? You come up with a five, a top five list, you come up with deal breakers, blah, blah, blah. But you go into the dating process knowing exactly what you're looking for. So you're not swiping on a on a bunch of bozos that you're like, oh yeah, you know, someone likes me. Yay. Mm-hmm. No, that's not it. <laughs> you know, like you're interviewing people. You're not just, you know, taking, oh, I just, I crave attention. So, you know, any old schmuck that shows up, um, I'm super happy about. And now I need to share this. The word schmuck in Yiddish means penis. I recently figured that out. And and I love that word now. I want to use it a lot more. Yeah. Okay. It's a great word before I even knew what it meant, but like (laughs) some schmuck. (laughs) That's great. Anyway. Um, knowing exactly what you're looking for and not settling for less, mm-hmm. um, which is hard when you're like starved for attention and you don't love yourself. Mm-hmm. Like I just need someone to pat me on my head and I'll, I'll, I do, you know, like <laughs> I'll marry you. You just need to like me kind of a little bit, <laughs> you know, like that's, that's not a good place. Like you shouldn't go shopping when you're hungry. Mm. Mm-hmm. See what I mean? Mm-hmm. So if you're starved for attention, that's because you've been neglecting the shit out of yourself. Self-abandonment. This is what I'm talking about, people. Mm-hmm. Self-abandonment is the beating heart of anxious attachment. Mm-hmm. And when you abandon yourself, you're like, I just need somebody to fill this hole. <laughs> you know, anyone will do. Yeah. Anything. Right. Um, <laughs> anything. I need some attention. Yeah. I, I need, you know, pick a Brian, any Brian. Pick a Brian. But yeah. <laughs> so anyway, um, Okay. So uh, dating. Yes. So communication boundaries, you know, like paying attention to, to what people share about themselves. Oh, and here's the other thing you come up with your top five list. This is what I want a partner. There's always a sixth item on that list. So let's talk about this. Top, okay. For the five, what are we, are we, are these qualities? What, 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 what do these need to be? Can these be physical attributes or do they need to be like hard qualities? It's, it's the five things that you need to have in non-negotiable or else it's a no-go. So it could be, yeah, like authenticity or honesty or integrity or like, so big things, mm-hmm. not like, you know, shoe size, you know what I mean? So things that are like big over, over overarching themes of, of life, mm-hmm. of ambition or, or so like a cheese eater, that would definitely be stuff like that. <laughs> <laughs> you gotta have that well the deal breaker list can you can put all kinds of stuff on deal breaker list but this top five are like you know this is my person needs to have these these five non-negotiables if someone you know has four of them but you know they're dishonest <laughs> you know or whatever the other one is that's not that's not gonna work you know and this is we're, we're talking about like needs here and so a good example is like if you need food water and air 
if you have food and water, but no air, you're going to die. You know what I mean? So like, this isn't like, you know, some of them will do. You need all of these, right? And people sell themselves short on that. People like shame themselves mm. or like settle for something less than what they deserve. And we're talking about five qualities of human being here. So the, the bar is, is relatively low considering there's like 8 billion people on the planet. You know what I mean? Like surely there's some people who can check five boxes. So yeah. please don't settle. My problem is like, I would have that list in the past, but like, I didn't fucking follow it. You know? yeah. No, I, I, I agree. I was the same way. I had list. Somebody was like, Hey, you're cute. And I throw it right out the window. <laughs> right. self abandonment yeah, I don't care that you're drunk right now. Please marry me. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah. Um, what about this? This was something I was talking about, like with Michelle. Um, I think for somebody who like is adult children and somebody with a, um, uh, insecure attachment style, whether it's avoidant or anxious, when we have those butterflies in the beginning, I think a lot of the time that means run like, you know, like attachment activated. Yes. Is it possible? I, I had a girl message me this. She said something like, um, I feel like. My, my th she said, like, my therapist told me that anytime I have feelings like that, it means it's not a healthy person for me. And she says, I feel like I'm going to have to settle in order to, like, be with somebody that's can you have but like, can you get healthy and work on your shit and meet somebody and have those, like, strong feelings in the beginning and it can be OK? Great question. Very, very good question. And, and the short answer is yes but it's not that way for everybody. It's not black and white. Um, so here's the deal. We are attracted to people on the other side of our crazy, right? I, I think just the human spirit yearns to become whole. We want to heal naturally. It's instinctive that we want to heal. And so if I'm anxious, I'm going to be attracted to an avoidant person who can trigger the shit out of me so that, so my, my stuff comes up and I can do something with it. I can heal it. I can see it in the mirror very clearly. I can process it. I can heal it. So we're generally attracted to people that, that activate us, that trigger us somehow. So it's not necessarily a bad thing if, you, if you're aware of it and you know what you're doing and you know what it means and, and you can handle yourself in that situation. You're not just compulsively chasing after the, the dopamine. Um, well, I feel like for me, like in relationships in the past, like where guys have turned out to be avoidant, it's not like they are in the very beginning. No. You know what I mean? No. So that's what I'm saying. Like, I feel like I've had those strong feelings before they've activated my anxious attachment, though. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I hear that. Um, so I think very strong, overwhelming feelings um are are pretty indicative of some kind of <laughs> triggered yeah. trauma response kind yeah. of thing right so you can have you can move closer to the middle and be like i'm super into this person yes without being like sweaty palms when's he gonna <laughs> yeah you know like i'm gonna send him something to his house like you know being just super over the top with it um so i think it, it's being aware of your feelings and your emotional reactions and if there's compulsiveness to it mm -hmm. i think that's the, the key mm -hmm. sign here look for compulsion how does that show up on the avoidant end 
What do you mean for an avoidant person? Yeah. I mean, like, I, yeah, I, I talk about this with my friend all the time. I just feel like I know that they're both not great, but I just feel like avoidance sounds like so much less painful. <laughs> yeah. But like, yeah, <laughs> like what, but what is, how does that, I don't know. Do they, do they also kind of have those same feelings in the beginning? Like, do they, do they get all jazzed up too and have the crash? Like, yes. the, okay. We, we all want love and connection. Mm -hmm. Everyone anxious, avoidant, whatever. It doesn't matter. We all want love and connection. And so we, we jump into these relationships and we want someone to love us. And yeah. so a lot of times what you'll see with avoidant people is they're goddamn unicorns. They're charming, wonderful, amazing, fantastic human beings because they want to be loved. Mm -hmm. They desperately want, I mean, we all do, right? But they, they really want to be loved. And somewhere inside of them, they know that they're not willing to carry 50% of this relationship because they're in their body. They're like, Hey, relationships aren't safe. People smother me. They're going to take away my freedom, my autonomy, my independent. Like it's a threat. Relationships are kind of threatening. And so in the beginning, avoidance tend to be super wonderful, amazing, super boyfriend, super girlfriend yeah. kind of people. Um, and then, so they'll bring an anxious person in, get them hooked. And then the anxious person is like, this is a unicorn. I'm going to go to the edges of the earth for this person. Mm -hmm. And then the avoidant can then let their hair down and go, okay, whew, okay, I'm done with this, you know, pretending I'm so wonderful thing, <laughs> you know, and I can relax a little bit, take some space, you know, do whatever I need to do. And this person is going to chase that unicorn fantasy for the rest of their life or until I break up with them. <laughs> so from, from the avoidant I hope I didn't just paint a diabolical picture of you did avoidance. not. You did not. You're fine. Okay. That was not my intention at all. Yeah, if I did no, anxious not. people and avoidant people, both are, are people who have different types of hurt. Right. And, and neither one of them is somehow malicious at all. Um, avoidant people have a feeling in their bones that relationships are not safe, that they're threatening. Mm. So imagine that. Like if, if you're like, you know, there's a lot of people who are like avoidance or the devil and they're narcissistic, abusive, no good, whatever. That's false shit. And I need you to develop some compassion for avoiding people by saying, imagine if relationships didn't feel safe in your body. How much would that suck? Right. That's like ow, my heart goes out for you. I don't care. Not my problem. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Fix it. <laughs> Right. But until we have compassion for, for people, mm. we're just going to objectify them and, you know, label them and call them whatever names we need to call them to feel good about our own shitty behavior and treatment of them. I know. So, so anxious people, avoiding people, disorganized, like we all have kind of things to look for as we enter into relationships and, and we all have our stuff to deal with. And the best thing you can do is work on yourself. Mm -hmm. So when you're working on yourself, it's not about going out there and trying to find some magical person to, to make your life all better. When you're taking care of yourself, you're good. You have a beautiful life and you're like, Hey, it'd be cool to share this with somebody, but I don't need, I don't need someone to mommy me or daddy me or therapy me or fix me or complete me. Any of that shit. What's your wife's attachment style compared to yours? You're disorganized, right? Um, yeah. I mean, I lean, I'm anxious. I got a little sprinkling. Yeah. I can kind of play either side of the fence. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think my wife is, is similar where she's, I think, she, well, she, she leans more avoidant mm -hmm. and she's got a little bit of both too. But so, you know, your partner will mirror you, 
right? We date our shadows. We find someone who's like equal distance from the other side of the crazy spectrum, right? And, and we move towards the middle because we get into a relate. Like when I'm single, I'm the best thing that ever happened to the world. You know, shit. But when I, get a, when I get in a relationship, I'm like, oh, snap, <laughs> I'm afraid. Mm-hmm. And I got, you know, this insecurity and, you know, I'm triggered and all this shit. And so we get into relationships to bring up these parts of ourselves that either we're going to heal and have a beautiful relationship or we're going to blame the other person, run from self-medicate, not heal. And we're going to burn the whole thing to the ground. So relationships are inherently places where we can heal if you have two willing participants. And this is what I was going to say. The sixth box that you need need to to check is, is this person willing to own their shit and to work on themselves? Because if you meet someone who's like, this is the best I'm ever going to be, they're fucking delusional and you should run away from them. You need someone who's like, I'm human. I got challenges. I'm working on stuff. You know, I'm, I'm doing things for my mental health. Because mm. if someone, someone is not working on themselves or not willing to grow, not willing to be wrong, not willing to apologize, not willing to admit that like they're human and they're not perfect all the time. If someone can't yeah, do that, it's, it's, it's a non-starter. Mm-hmm. You, you can't do anything with that. Mm-hmm. gotta have someone who's willing to work on their stuff because if you're attracted to each other it's because y'all both have some shit you need to work on <laughs> and one person can't carry the weight for both of you true that the six box reminds yeah. me of when i went and did uh stand-up comedy about guys lying about their height on dating apps and i said i was like i can i need somebody to be at least my height i said they can be half an inch shorter if they check all the boxes but i said anything more than a half inch shorter they have to check all the boxes and they have to check the bonus box and no, the bonus box is not a big dick the bonus box is like you own an nfl team you're royalty you invented the toaster (laughs) (laughs) um that's great i can see you doing (laughs) stand-up i didn't know that so let me um i had a question from one of my listeners um so She says that she feels like she's the only one out of her siblings. She's one of three that has abandonment issues. Um, and she says, I'm the youngest. Is that part of it? Mm, could very well be. Um, yeah, it's, it's possible. It, it's miraculous how siblings can have completely different experiences in their childhood. But, but for sure, being the baby, I was the third. I was the youngest in the third. And I got hand-me-downs, you know, I didn't matter. So there was, there was physical and emotional abandonment because like I was this runt, you know, whatever. Yeah, there was a lot of abandonment thing that, things that, that came up for me being the youngest. Um, so for sure, I mean, it, you know, there, there's, I'm sure there's more to dig into that, but I, I answered the question, yes, I'm sure that has something. Um, do you have any, I don't know, do you have any like good victory stories from any clients recently or? Any Oof. interesting stories that you think would be beneficial for the audience to hear? Yeah, let me think. Um, I've, I, I've been blessed with with clients that are doing the work and transforming their lives. And um, yeah, one 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 client I was working with, we met like for a couple sessions, and we were digging into boundary work and stuff. And and um, like right away, yeah, I, I was explaining to her how like your work, your relationship with work. And your relationship romantically, they can be very similar because they're both like primary relationships that meet a lot of your needs, right? So a lot of times we behave very similarly in, in these mm-hmm. ways. And so 
um, she was single, you know, but we were talking about the importance of, of boundaries and stuff. And so I started talking about stating your needs, you know, and, and speaking up for yourself and whatever. Anyway, so she texted me like after our like second or third session, she's like, you know, I just, uh, I got a raise and, and, a, and a full-time assistant or whatever. <laughs> and I was like, that's awesome. And then probably a couple weeks later, I mean, I don't know, maybe a month, who, who knows, but she got a job offer, like an even better job. And just like her, her career kind of exploded as a result of having better boundaries and self-care. She was overworking to death. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We, we radiate, you know, she, she printed out a different life for herself based on the inner work that she was doing. But there's, yeah, I mean, I got, I got clients that are just, I've, I've helped clients get out of super terrible relationships and clients that are, you know, engaged and, and pregnant and happy and doing wonderful things. And uh, yeah, I mean, just, it's, it's, it's so awesome to do this work. I mean, it's, it's cool to do it like in the rooms of recovery, you know, because it's, you know, helping like a junkie put his life together is, is pretty rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, but I've always felt like it was, I wish I could take that kind of soul surgery out into the world and share it with everybody. And so I'm, I'm meeting with all kinds of different clients from all walks of life that are not alcoholics or drug addicts or, or anything in particular, but that are, that are transforming their, their careers, their relationships, you know, how they treat themselves and their kids. Like it's, it's pretty cool stuff. Yeah. And I think that thing too, and I'm sure, I'm sure you have these kind of discussions with your clients, but like time takes time. Yeah. <laughs> I was talking to my friends about it yesterday about like, it just takes a while for us to have these realizations and awarenesses. Um, and we kind of have to sit in that before we're like actually often like willing to take contradictory action. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I think if, if, um, there was something more effective than pain to get our attention that the universe would use that instead. <laughs> but the pain seems to be uh, the greatest persuader. No um, yeah. The, the gift of desperation. It, it, it really is a gift to, to have that willingness of like, you know what, I'm, I'm willing to do whatever it takes to transform. Cause that's the thing. Like you, you need a lot. Like you can't dabble in personal transformation. You know, you can't like do a little light (laughs) transformation on the weekends, right? You got to be like, you know what? Fuck the person I was. Mm. Like, this sounds pretty violent, but. Yeah, that's a little hard. Well, no. So what I was going to say is transformation can be like choking your old self out while you look in her eyes. Mm. And being like, I'm done with you it's time for new me and like, like old self has to die. I mean, look at like the prayer of St. Francis, right. At the end where he's talking about it is by dying that one awakens to eternal life, mm-hmm. right? This, this is dying the death of ego of all the, all of our old ideas and attachments and things that, that, uh, you know, our, our preconceived ideas of how the world is and our, our ego and pride, all that, like all that shit has to go. If we want to create a new life for ourselves and fun factoid, uh, it is by one by dying that one awakens to eternal life. I always thought the word eternal meant like forever and ever. Like this prayer was some like holy heavenly shit. Eternal means outside the framework of time. It means present. Eternal means hmm. always now. And so it is by dying this death of self, of of rumination, of our pain body, of our our crazy thoughts. When we can 
murder all that stuff. We can, we can become present. present to the now, to the moment where everything exists. Like now is the only thing you will ever have. And that is, that is where life is. And so people that are caught up with all this trauma shit, they're in the future, they're in the past, they're ruminating, they're not present in their own life. So yeah, we have to, we have to really be willing to throw our old salt, our old selves off the bridge, you know, and, and rebuild. Yeah. I just want to say that, um, he's not suggesting that you stand in front of the mirror and choke yourself to, and kill yourself yeah, and look yourself in the eye or jump off a bridge. That's not what he was. Um, so let's, I'm not trying to be not, wrongful death suits here. I did not, I did not <laughs> it's, it's a, a, a spiritual transformation process. Uh-huh. Your, your, your new life is going to cost you your old life. Well, this has been rad. What do you, what do you got going on? Got any interesting blogs you're coming out with or anything you're jazzed about? Always. So I've recently published my, my hundredth article on my blog. Wow. And it's, I just, I keep putting out heaters. Like every time I'm like, I've written so much, like how could I possibly write another good article? And then I crank one out and like, God damn, this is good. I can't wait for people to read this one. So yeah, you know. Uh, I like the one that you did recently about why um, I could really relate to it about why breakups are so fucking miserable for those who are anxious support attachers. Yes. Yeah, for sure. No, someone, someone like DM'd me something about that. And I was like, cool, I'm gonna write this article. So, uh, so yeah, if, if people have ideas or suggestions about like, Hey, what do you want to hear about? Like hit me up my Instagram at fix your picker. Um, you know, or email me Adam at fixyourpicker.com. Like I'm, I'm open to, to, to hearing what the people want, you know, but um, so yeah, what's going on for me? I've, I've been successful with writing. I've been successful with, with coaching the crap out of people. It's, it's, it's great. I choking love them it. Out. And, <laughs> and <laughs> joking these people out. No, but uh, it's, it's, it's beautiful, fulfilling work. And there's only so many hours in the day and I've like, mm -hmm. I've like a full caseload and a waiting list. And so at this point I'm like, holy shit, I can't, like, I want to help more people and counting by ones isn't the best way to do it. So I'm presently working on creating a workshop that I want to do where I can, I can have a whole, you know, a whole bunch of people that I can kind of deliver some to the coaching experience mm -hmm. to the masses because and also, you know, I've had to raise my rates because people were like beating down my door. And so now I'm like kind of expensive. And so I, I, it's a good problem to have, but I hate turning people away. I hate this healing work not being accessible, which is why I, I put out a buttload of content for free all day, every day. I got this free relationship quiz on my site with this like mini course on attachment theory and, and the quiz results. Like I try to put out as much free stuff as possible uh, and creating some workshops and courses I can charge way less money for, mm -hmm. for people to do that than one-on-one than -on -one coaching. And it'll be more accessible to people for a lot of different reasons. But that's, that's what I need to do in, in 2022 to scale my, my reach for, for helping people to heal is by, by creating some of these, these courses and workshops. And well, stuff. let so us know when you do it. I'll, I'll send, I'll let, I'll let the folks know. Yeah. Let the people know. We'll, we'll give them a, a We'll give them a, a, a adult child discount code. Cool. Let's do it. I'm all about it. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you, sir. We'll, uh, we'll talk again. Yeah,
wraps up today's episode. Uh, you're welcome. I hope you heard something that could help you on your own journey. And I know that you did hear something that was uh, that could help you on your own journey. Thanks again to Adam. Um, see all of his shit in the show notes. Guys, do I even really need to have this like last part? I mean, I was reading the letters before, but I haven't really been doing that anymore. And um, I don't know. Am I really giving you any sort of vital information at this last part? Uh, I guess kind of not. Uh, but then I feel like I started tr- the tradition of like saying it's going to be super raw, super vulnerable, and I'm super excited for y'all to hear it. It's going to be gutty. So like, can I not stop doing this part because I already made that a part of the, the show? Uh, yeah. Uh, nah, what else? Uh, yeah, just go sign up for the damn Patreon or just, or buy me a damn coffee. Uh, hit me up, email me, DM me. I'd love to hear from you. Uh, there's a lot of people that I still need to get back to, and I promise I'll get back to you. Um, and that is all she wrote, y'all. So I will see you next week for another damn amazing episode of Adult Child. It is going to be super raw. It is going to be super vulnerable. And I am so excited for y'all to hear it. It's gonna be a good day, I promise. Welcome to Prime Video's culture-rated collection. This is the place where Black is the main character, where we don't jump through hoops just to hear our voice and can fall in love with illuminating documentaries like Giannis' The Marvelous Journey. I'm just a hard worker that's trying to survive. Enjoy the animated series, The Second Best Hospital in the Galaxy. All doctors report immediately! Where we dive into something new like the latest season of Them, The Scare, and the award-winning American fiction. Welcome home, baby! Or add to the experience by Buying or renting the biopic of a legend, Bob Marley, One Love. I want my music to unify people. And add on channels like Paramount Plus and Stars to bask in nostalgia with Beverly Hills Cop. This is the cleanest police car I've ever been in in my life. And BMF. You're about to take over the whole nation. Explore Prime Video's culture-rated collection and enjoy old-school greats and new-school hits. Prime Video. Find your happy place. Restrictions apply. See Amazon.com slash Amazon Prime for details.